Hey friends, my name is Eric Barnett and I'm a singer-songwriter from Charleston, South Carolina and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I talk to fellow singer-songwriters about their influences, their songs, and their songwriting. This week's guest is Kevin Church. Kevin's one of the first musicians I met when I moved to town. He interviewed me for Mufix Songwriter of the Month back in 2018. He's also one of the hardest working musicians in town. He's gigging all over the place, playing at Tommy Condon's a lot, always working on writing and recording new music as well. Kevin will also be featured on the Songs of the Unsung stage at the Edisto Blackwater Boogie this year. Actually, tomorrow. Uh, the Boogie starts today out at Givens Ferry. Hope you got your tickets. If not, reach out to me. I might have a couple I can float your way. But yeah, Saturday, October 8th, Kevin will be out there on the Songs of the Unsung stage. And all weekend, uh, we're going to feature a lot of singer-songwriters out there. Many who've been on this podcast. Um, Fleming Moore, Holland Bell, Jig Wiggler. The list goes on and on. I've been posting on Facebook all week about who's going to be at the festival. Hope to see you out there. For now, enjoy my interview with Kevin Church. Thanks for stopping by today, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Eric. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. Actually, this is this whole thing is coming full circle because I think the first time I met you, you were interviewing me. <laughs> That's right. Um, Kevin works with the folks over at Mufic, and and he's been doing some interviews occasionally for the Songwriters of the Month, and he was a Songwriter of the Month, and. I think it was back in 2018 when I was sort of trying to get into the scene over here in, in Charleston. Uh, those folks hit me up and said, are you interested in being the songwriter of the month? And I said, oh, absolutely. And Kevin interviewed me and hopefully uh, I picked up from his interview skills on how to do this thing. <laughs> I appreciate that. I hope you do a much better job than I oh, did. <laughs> you did great, man. Um yeah, I also watched your Songwriter of the Month where Tim Stiles interviewed you. Oh, yes. Yeah, learned a lot. Learned a lot. Originally Gastonia, North Carolina? That's right, yes. Right on. Um, right near Charlotte. It? Okay. It's not too far. It's about you know, 25, 30 minutes away from Charlotte. Right on. And uh, it's the side closer to Spartanburg, if you will. Okay. So right off of 85 there. I read somewhere that you first kind of got your love of music from your father's, was it record collection or tapes or CDs? Oh, or? his record collection for sure, yes. Yeah. Um, he had just got the Beatles stuff. It was like the 20 greatest hits they had in 1980. You know, like every decade they release a new, yeah, new right. Beatles thing. <laughs> and now Apple's running with it too, you know, and... So like uh, you can expect another, you can sure. expect another <laughs> Beatles uh, Abbey Road compilation probably in about another what eight to nine years. Yeah, they'll <laughs> they'll find like a thing where it, John Lennon sneezed once and we haven't heard that one before. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so anyways, he had that and he had a compilation called Love Songs, and he just played it every night when he came home from work and. 
I listened to that, and then I would play his records, and I got into the Eagles, the Beatles again, like that, and then the Stones, mm. and he had some other things, like uh, even got exposed to Chris Christopherson at a young age. Oh, wow. I'm like, isn't he an actor? Yeah, right. <laughs> Shows yeah. my age a bit. You the know? guy from Blade? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well before Blade, my friend. This was oh, like yeah. right when... The reason the Beatles were so important to me is like he just got that uh, 20 Greatest Hits album. And when I was like five years old mm -hmm. and John Lennon got shot in December of that year. Wow. That same year like that I was exposed to all that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? What's going on? You know, right. just a kid, you know. Who is this guy? And what happened? And in that time frame. I was just into music. I liked it. I've always moved, tapped my foot to it or whatever growing up. Mm -hmm. So I got into the library at school when I was there, you know, uh, first grade, second grade, kindergarten, whatever, you know, rolling through. And I would go and find out these books. They had like rock. They had mm -hmm. folk. And, and folk, they had Bob Dylan. And I was like, Who's this Bob Dylan guy? <laughs> so I knew about Bob Dylan when I was like in second grade, you know? Wow. Like, who's this icon, you know, this guy that writes these songs or whatever? Because I was discovering that he wrote a lot. Yeah. And uh, he was young, man. The pictures in that book, he's probably like 19, 20 years old. Yeah. But you think he's like 50 or 60, you know? Because right. like he's the legend, right? So I got into Bob Dylan, though, later, much later. But I took, I got exposed to that early on. But what I'm saying is like uh, the music back then was like Van Halen, right? Brian Adams. Mm -hmm. That was the big smash <laughs> when I was growing up. Bon so, Jovi. Yeah, right. all that stuff, man. <laughs> so I was exposed to that too. And I, I listened to that stuff, but I had a real appreciation for my dad's records. Nice. So I had a mix of those two. And then over time, you know, I got exposed to country. I got exposed to all these other things because mm -hmm. dad would go and, well, it's not that bad. He bought Garth <laughs> Brooks, you know, and right. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So it, over time, that's how my love and appreciation of music came. It was starting with the Beatles at five and then moving through the years. I got into pop music a little bit, but not, I just didn't like it. Yeah. It did nothing for <laughs> didn't me. Didn't speak to you. No. So that stuff did. And, and so I've always felt that way as a writer, too. I want to deliver that kind of material. Right. I gotcha. It, uh, at some point, picked up trumpet? Yes. In uh, seventh grade, I played trumpet in junior high school on up to my senior year mm -hmm. in, in high school. So I was a band geek. Until, yeah. <laughs> until my senior year, I wanted to get out of school earlier, uh, so I took marketing co-op and got out of the band. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> not, not that I didn't like <laughs> the people or anything. I just wanted to get out at one o'clock. So that's what I. Oh, I got you there. I put the music down for that year. <laughs> my high school trumpet's sitting right over there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you played too, huh? Yeah, yeah. And actually, for a, I, I wanted to get into the school of music in Bowling Green. Uh, oh wow! And. I wanted to get in to learn recording. They didn't have a recording major, but they're like, you can write a major for this, but you have to get into the school of music. And I 
took a guitar in. Yeah, I'll get in the school of music on guitar. And they threw sheet music in front of me. Oh, no. No, that ain't happening. And then I I had no lessons. It was something where I taught myself and I had friends that would show me these chords I didn't know. And every now and then you, you know, you'd be in the bookstore and look in the back of Guitar World because you couldn't afford to buy it and had those four tabs in the back. So that's where my education on guitar playing came from. And to go into the school of music and have them put in sheet music, I was like, well, maybe I'll try trumpet. So I'm with you. <laughs> I understand completely what you're yeah. saying. Uh, I was self-taught too on guitar yeah and trumpet you know you, you learn everything sheet music is there you know yeah. and and all that stuff you learn it and you can transpose that to guitar too i mean it helps but i didn't start with that right I, and i'm still nowhere proficient in that that i need to be and or i think I, anybody that thinks they know all there is to know that i'm i'm really leery of those folks <laughs> even uh you know i I should ring a bell every time I drop this guy's name, but we all know uh, Dave Sink over there playing guitar. Right. And if you want to talk about a person who is about as proficient as you can get, but is on this learning hunger daily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's for, for the, me, the guitarists I find that I most look up to, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm just learning every day. Still learning. Right. Yeah. Same here, man. I'm, and uh, David is fantastic. I, I love him to death. He's very talented and uh, been a good friend. Um, very supportive to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And in my girlfriend's band. Yeah, Bender Funk. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that, too. He, But I, I've befriended him through her, and he's, he's really cool, man. Good yeah. guy. So starting to play guitar. Uh, what was your first guitar? My first guitar, it was actually my dad's classical guitar that was sitting in his closet unplayed for 20 <laughs> years, you uh -huh. know, and uh, I've always been hungry about playing guitar since I was like in fourth grade. I wanted to know mm -hmm. how to play, but I didn't actually start playing until I was in, like 15. Right. So my cousin, he actually had a guitar and a little amp, and he was playing a bit and I, I went to see him visit him and he showed it to me and showed me some things and then I started trying to pick around trying to figure it out and mm -hmm. I, I I got I got the Jones and for it I had to have yeah. one so I tell dad and my mother that I want a guitar and I want this and I want that and my dad <laughs> said well you can play my classical it's in my closet and I was like fantastic let's get it going oh, there's a guitar in the house yeah. bring it yeah because I'd seen it growing up I'd touch the strings and sneak in there and play it you know like not knowing anything about it but mm -hmm. I go and you know touch it and then run out of the closet when I was little <laughs> you know um <laughs> temptation got the best of me you know mm -hmm. but uh anyways they agreed to have it uh strung up and I just started, I got a book, man, a chord book, and started just going to town, learning as much as wow. I could. Awesome. And learned some Bob Dylan. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Blow three, it in the wind, yeah, baby. three chords, probably like <laughs> G, C, and D more, like, more than likely. Yeah. It all starts with that, doesn't it? It's so funny, man, because out of everything, you know, out of it does start that way. And what's so funny is in that book, that's what it was. The guy had Bob Dylan as the guy to learn the first songs from. 
Okay. And I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> I've been looking at this guy since he was, I was in second grade. So like, I really got a appreciation for him more and started learning more of his songs, listening to them inside and out. And that's when I got, oh, that guy's really, really good. And that's when you can learn at the same time, like, you don't need all these fancy chords to write those songs. No. You know, if Bob Dylan was doing it with G, C, and D, who are we to say that's wrong? Exactly. Innovator, man. Oh, for sure. <laughs> with G, C, and D. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> now, when did you start writing your own songs? So I started writing songs probably right about 15, 16 years old. I started, well, I was writing music. I wasn't mm -hmm. writing lyrics. And when I did write lyrics, they were just avant-garde, uh, very, I don't know how to explain it, man, just spacey as they can be. Uh -huh. I, was, I was listening to uh, Nirvana and Pearl Jam, stuff okay. like that. Yeah. So I wanted to be poetic, and I thought being as out there as possible would be <laughs> the way to do it. So none of the songs really made any sense, you know? They're probably really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know, I, you know? I, I do understand yeah every now and then i'll hear a song the flaming lips are a very good example okay i will hear a flaming lips song and go i could never just write about nothing like that <laughs> and somehow have it mean something i'm not right. sure how they like i'll hear it i'll hear that song a song by them and i'll be like this is ridiculous how they do it <laughs> i'm with you man i yeah. get it and I wonder sometimes, you know, back, you know, as you're saying that, are we overthinking everything <laughs> as we're writing these songs to the point where it's okay to be a little bit abstract? There has to be this, this balance because at the same time, you do have to be self-aware. Oh yeah. I, you can you can spot a musician from a million miles away that has zero self-awareness. <laughs> yes. And they're always the ones that have 200% self-confidence at the same time. Oh, yeah. Were you playing those songs for anybody? No, not really. I was pretty much playing them for myself. Mm -hmm. I did bring them to other players to try and get something together or have them play on them or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But nothing ever came of that. Any high school bands or college bands, anything like that? No, the thing is, every time I start to set a band up or get get put in this position to have something, something would always come up with somebody else. Like, mm. uh, well, you know, I got to go home this weekend, or uh, my girlfriend's uh, wanting right. to go out, or so there was no no band effort at all. Like yeah. I would have, I even bought a drum set to try and lure people to <laughs> my dad mom and dad's garage so we could just jam it out. Mm -hmm. And although this, those were fun times with people, including a good friend of mine that uh, graduated with me, we had a good time, but nothing ever <laughs> came of that, you know? Yeah, jamming, jamming is fun. I mean, it is fun to get together and, and just play music. But at some point, if you're going to want to work on like original songs or any kind of songs, there's a point where you're like, okay, we need to get serious here for a minute. We need to, number one, you know, say this is the lineup and this is the song and this is what we're going to do. And then, you know, people have to realize like, oh, I bass player for example i gotta play what's best not what's the most fun or you know, oh yeah that's always the tough part um 
I had Noah Grove on here, and Noah is such a collaborative dude. He's always playing music with other people, and he I, he talked to me about I'm when I made my record, I played all the instruments, right? Because I there was nobody around at the time that number one could play and would play, but number two would play like what the song was asking for. Sure, and. And there, there got to be a point where I was just like, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and he's like, are you a non-collaborator? And I was like, I, I wish I weren't forced to be. <laughs> sure, I get you that. Do you, do you feel it is hard, especially, you know, in the age we're at, where right. all our peers are, have families and, and other jobs and other gigs. Right. And a lot of people that play supporting instruments also want to run around and get paid playing other gigs as well sure so to get people to actually number one buy into what it is you're doing yeah. number two devote time past just like the minimal it's tough oh it is <laughs> it's very tough it's but i mean it's just it's tough i feel like it's i feel like it's easier now than it was when i was in high school or college to be honest with you just the because I guess because of the talent pool we have here. Oh, yeah. And we could just pull people in. And if you budget it right, you can have these fine players on your album or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Or your song, if you're just doing a song at a time. And you can hire them and you can do it. It's just a matter of, are you happy with your overall vision? Right. And then, did they play too much? Yeah. Now, how, what do you have to edit? <laughs> you know, and, and that's where it's like, it gets in the way of the creative process, I think, when you have to deal with that, just like you said, and it prolongs the release time. Right. It right. just prolongs it, and it just keeps... It just keeps... <laughs> Kicking it down the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm it, always thinking, though, like, take the Beatles, for example. Right. They... It wasn't like that for them. It no. wasn't like, I'm going to call in this guy to play on my song. They were just like, they hung out together and yep. they were like a, they were a band of brothers before they were a band almost. You know, they did right. love music and they're like, but it was the love of the music that made them forge forth as a group. You know, yes, that's exactly. a thing that like my heart calls out for. Right. You know what I mean? I'm with you 100%. I did have some guys like when I was in college that there was one drummer that we were we hung out even when we weren't playing music, we hung out and we listened to music and it right. was just like we should do this and, we, and it wasn't like somebody that just came to to lend their skills. It was a thing where we were friends first. Right. And incidentally a band and and part of our friendship was forged in finding music together nice that's a that's a thing i miss you know i'm with you on that yeah that's really cool that uh you got to experience that yeah <laughs> those are those are those uh friendships and and uh kinships if you will are they're rare man sure are and and they need to be cherished for sure definitely so i i hate that uh, you hadn't had it in a while. <laughs> yeah, everybody's busy, though. I'm probably too busy at the moment for it, you know? Just everybody's, we're all trying to get around here and make the most of Charleston right now. I hear you. So, before you moved here, uh, you were gigging around the Charlotte area? Yes, I was. 
kind of solo and oh yeah solo uh doing that and playing a few restaurant gigs and things Mm -hmm. like that and uh had a couple good gigs up there uh in circles with other people that are still doing it up there and Mm -hmm. abroad um so i'm pretty happy that i got to do that you know got to actually play some places like where david childers played wow and he and i cross paths and if you know who david is he he's the one who wrote the prettiest thing mm. you know the mm-hmm. which is avet brothers mm-hmm. like avets were coming up right there and then where when i was getting my start in in north carolina and charlotte area and stuff but they were already like mesmerizing people and then they went on to new york not, sure not too long after that but david befriended them and he they they recorded his song man yeah. Later on, and they have nothing but you know, they bring him on stage and everything. Wow. You know, and and he he was a big influence to a lot of people in in the Charlotte area. Mm-hmm. And uh, to this day, you know, like we comment on each other's posts sometimes. Nice on Facebook. So it's it's just cool to see you know to be a part of that. So there was that time, and you know, and there are people that I met along the way, like uh, Dan Baylog. I met him. He's in Nashville now, and he's a voice. And now he does uh, voiceover work and stuff like that. But he's helped me like in in the past with projects like song selection or song uh, like how how it should be synced up, like the song list should mm-hmm. flow on the record and stuff. He's been very good at that because he has a lot of radio background. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I met him and I met other people at the Double Door Inn in Charlotte before they bulldozed it down <laughs> like what I'm what five years ago or so or mm-hmm. more but it's uh it's just a, it's a cool scene there too I, I hear it's changed a bit and there's chris cook there he's awesome great guy player incredible so i met i met all them and and now i'm here and uh down here in charleston just doing it man staying busy you know playing. what brought you here well honestly uh friend of mine uh his name's jason Rowe. He uh, he was a junior high friend, like basically was a neighbor of mine. Mm-hmm. And I went to school, transferred schools my middle of my eighth grade year to uh, go to Holbrook. It was uh, ninth grade, I think I started there, sorry. But like Jason and I befriended each other. And so we graduated high school together. Uh, we knew each other really well. And he told me that I need to come to Charleston and, and play some gigs, but like be part of uh, another music group too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a concert promotion group and become part of this entity and start booking acts and things like that. Okay. Cause he was doing that. And I got involved with that and it wasn't very lucrative for me. <laughs> so uh, as, as that wasn't paying off, I just started playing gigs around town mm-hmm. and then I just picked up more and more and more work. And then I finally just said, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm gonna, you know, do this uh, full time. I'm gonna play music. Charleston is definitely a place where if you've got the skills and you've got the you've got the set list, you can you can get a lot of work here as a musician. You can not so, and and what's really nice is a, a lot of places I've come from. 
if you go to book a gig somewhere, the first thing that they're going to ask you is like, what's your draw? How many people can you bring? And, and right. at the time I was in like fledgling bands and stuff. And it's like, well, obviously nobody, you know, <laughs> right. we're just starting out. Charleston is a place where it takes a minute to break into it because there, there are some very well-known folks here and they're oh, getting yeah. the good gigs. Oh yeah. And you're not going to get those right off the bat, but there are so many places that even from my perspective, I've been here five years now. And the first thing I right. did, I didn't book a gig here for probably two. Like wow, I just okay. hit the open mic scene and yeah. there's, there's, you can play probably at an open mic at least four or five days a week. Maybe oh, yeah. not Friday or Saturday night, but every other night you can go play somewhere. Oh yeah. And you're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to meet the right people. You're going to build up your chops. and occasionally it will turn into a gig and one gig turns into another gig and oh yeah and and charleston is very good for that absolutely agreed for i agree with you 100 percent on that especially i mean you're you're on the short list of people that know your name you know um yeah that's one of those we're like yeah that guy's working all the time he's playing everywhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate that man i really do it it doesn't, <laughs> I don't feel it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just kidding though. I, it's, uh, it, it, uh, wears you down a bit, but, uh, it's worth it, man. This life is fun. And, mm -hmm. um, I just see so many people, man, that I have mad respect for in an area like Carol Brown. I mean, mm -hmm. good Lord, man. He's the one who got me into Tommy Condon's. Is he? Yes. Mm. He had me fill in, uh, Steve Carroll had just passed and they needed some people to fill in a bit. and. I went there. Next thing I know, I've got Tuesday nights. And then mm -hmm. a year passes, I got every other Sunday. Now I got Sundays and Tuesdays now. There you go. And it's all because Carol brought me in. Right on. And it's just people like that that I've always looked up to, man, that have brought me under their wings sometimes and helped yeah, me along. There are people in this town that are really good for their community. Um, I know that, like, a lot of the time, anything kind of Somerville-based, uh, Mark from 40 Mile Detour is good to know. Oh, absolutely. Dan Riley yeah. putting together Blackwater or Fleming Moore is always doing stuff up there in right. Somerville. And it, it seems like every everywhere in town, musicians are very generous here too. Oh, I agree. Um, they'll they'll get a hold of you and say, hey man, I, I, I need to fill in or... I, they tried to book me, but I'm booked. If you get a hold of this venue real quick, they, you might be able to get in. And, right. And that's something where this could, this could be a very cutthroat place. It could be, and, and, and it can be at times. I sure. think that there are some people out there that do bring that. <laughs> sure. Uh, but I noticed, too, man, the hustle's real. My, my girlfriend, Jamie Zadanik of Bender Funk, the lead singer, and pretty much, you know, the booking agent for that band. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She hustles. She hard. hustles hard. Dude. Yeah. I mean, her phone is always going off and she, if she can't do it, she passes the work along to somebody else. And that's very admirable. She is very giving in that regard and just a giving person anyway. But, uh, what I'm getting at is the hustle is real. And to see yeah. her, you know, doing it too, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, sometimes I'm like, you do, you may not want to do that, babe. I'm just saying, because, you know, I've been there, done that, but I'm not burn trying to. yourself out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just trying to tell you 
how you might love yourself more. <laughs> <laughs> there, she and they are very good at the social media game. Oh yeah, man. And I mean, rule number one is like be good, and they're good. <laughs> I mean, that, it's, you can. You, there are ways that you, if you're not as good, you can hustle and make oh, up yeah. the, make up the gap, but. If you're good, yeah, that speaks for itself. It does, you know? doesn't it? <laughs> so then to have the social media game alongside, yeah. it's like, I just feel like this old man sitting next to her, you know, like, <laughs> you go, little girl, you know. But no, nah, man, seriously, they're really, really freaking good. And uh, I, I've been out to see them several times, mm -hmm. I mean, and just go, God, they're so good. <laughs> and she's really good, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so... It's it's cool, man. It's very inspiring. It you know uh, pushes me along a little bit. You know, like oh wow, you know that's amazing. So so it, Charleston's made it, and you're you're full time musician, right? That's it, man. It's made it so you can uh, do that. It said I I think you worked for Zaxby's at one point. That's correct. It made it so you didn't need that Zaxby's money anymore. That's right. That's it, good. It uh, it's paid off, man. It's been very good. Um, How do you work? We, we kind of briefly discussed before we came live on the podcast here. How do you uh, balance your original music with, let's air quotes, cover gigs, you know? Very, very good question. Well, honestly, man, um, the cool thing is I'll play slower gigs too. Like, you know, like uh, Paige's mm. Poker Grill in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I'll throw my songs out there then. You yeah. know, for brunch gigs mm -hmm. and turn people on and to the songs and stuff. And some people come up to me and they'll say, like, who who wrote that? That sounds mm. like this. And I'll be like, that thank you. I appreciate that. It's mine, you know? <laughs> right. And I'll hand them a card and send them out to the website to go listen. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one way to do it. And um also working those Sundays and Tuesday shifts at Tommy's, mm -hmm. I can do the Irish music but I could do the storytelling songs too that I've written. Yeah. So I like that a lot. Whereas on a Friday night, I got to keep it. Yeah. You got to keep it flowing. Yeah. It, and I mean, upbeat to the point where they're singing along and yep. all that. But on the slower nights, I'm able to, I've been able to actually bring people like lure them into what I do, sure. what I write and what I'm feeling. And you just got to read the room. You yes. Know? And, absolutely. And, uh, I always, I never have, anything in front of me, a set list or even a song list or anything. It's just, I look around and maybe if you play something that has a little bit of a classic rock vibe and you saw about four 60 year old dudes looked up like, okay, <laughs> right, right, like, right, we're going in that direction now. Exactly. And, and sometimes if, if you're playing and you feel like I have a tendency that I'll play and then see what I can get away with. Sure. Like I'll play something that will kind of pivot us into something a little bit more obscure that I may like. Right. And if people are still with you for that journey, you can, I, I always say I treat my original music the way that you give a dog medicine is you wrap it up in something they want. <laughs> you know, the, I like that analogy. It's perfect. Yeah, the the piece of cheese that I wrap the the original song in is like a Tom Petty tune or something, you know. And I got you. <laughs> but yeah, you can definitely, and at least from my perspective, there are times where 
I'll play a gig and the and the room will want a certain vibe and a certain thing and I'll get to the end of the night and I'll be like, I don't think I've played any of my own songs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> happens more often than not. Uh-huh. <laughs> Especially and when it's when it's flowing and it's busy and everybody's jumping around. And yeah. I, I get it. And it's frustrating because you you put your best foot out there and you, you're like, well, I could have actually done one of mine. You yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> to like share with them. Um, I felt so, I don't want to say embarrassed. Uh, I was playing yesterday downtown and uh, just trying to kind of to give the crowd what they want, but in a way that I didn't feel like I was selling my soul, you know? Right. And I love Tom Petty. Tom Petty's the probably the if you broke down the songs I know, I probably know the most Tom Petty songs. So I'll play a Tom Petty song. I was playing Last Dance with Mary Jane, which is it my favorite <laughs> Tom Petty song? Probably not in my top twenty. Is it guaranteed to make the room get on your side? Yes. So right, I right. was I was playing that song and like right as I'm playing that song, another musician that I know and respect very well, original musician, kind of walked up and sat down. And it was almost like I got caught at a strip club or something. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm with you. I, f I was just like, oh, dude. I played like four of my own songs right in a row 10 minutes ago, man. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Oh, no. <laughs> He's like, it's okay. It's okay. I know. <laughs> that's too funny. Well, but that's cool. <laughs> Let's that, talk that that they were uh, understanding about the whole situation. At least he acted that way. <laughs> the last <laughs> dance situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I and I probably bring this up way too much, but I have my line in the sand songs. Like, and they're songs that, like, my cop out is that I just don't know them. But I don't right. know them is because I don't care for them and enough right. to learn them. Right. But there are songs that like, you know, I and and it's not saying anything's wrong with the song, but it doesn't connect with me. Like right. I, if if I get a request for Wagon Wheel or Tennessee Whiskey or Country Roads or <laughs> uh I'm most likely to play Freebird actually. But I just don't know them, you know. Those they don't happen to be on my list. But I do know Last Dance with Mary Jane. I will play that. That's, it's still a Tom Petty song. I would. I wish I could write the worst Tom Petty song. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> when it comes to your own tunes. Okay. So, the first thing I did when I was looking at your music is I went on Spotify and Apple Music, which there's two albums there, and right. I think a, a single or two. Okay. Um, your first one, Let It Begin. Right. That was right when you moved here, right? Yes, I'd been here about a year, and I put that out as quickly as I could. Mm-hmm. Just to try to be like, I got to get something, we got to get this ball rolling. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I did, and I recorded that at home and had a friend of mine named Chris Englehart. He's out of Charlotte. He actually uh, mixed and mastered that. Mm. It's a good sound of record, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Um. How long had those songs been around? Were they all kind of fresh or a couple there was years? Probably about two or, there was probably about half fresh and half like years in the making. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like finally doing this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I always, I, I only made, I've only made one album. I made it five years ago. It's a coin toss whether I'm going to be able to go back to it and just cringe the whole way, sure, or go back to it and go, you know what, that was, that's all right, or, or I couldn't do any better than that at that time. How do you, when you go back, do you go back and listen to it, or do you <laughs> like, I'm just going to forget that exists for a second? Well, the funniest thing about that is the little change record, even though I had my friends play on it, helped me out, and it was a thorn in our side for a good year and a half to get it to where it's done and it was mastered by a great guy in charlotte dave harris who is uh studio b which is no joke i mean that's a that's a mastering studio mm -hmm. uh i want to toss that as quick as i can <laughs> i'm in the process of i'm in the process of recutting it as we speak and i'm thinking about releasing it as a um anniversary edition and then yeah. just getting rid of the other one <laughs> yeah i was I was talking just, to Noah Grove, and he was saying something similar. He, we were talking about his records, and I would talk about an album. He's like, yeah, I'm going to erase all trails of that and just redo it. And I'm like, okay. You know, I, I can see both sides of that, though. Right. Yeah, I look at my record, and I'm like, number one, if you record a song too quickly after writing it, in playing it a thousand more times, mm -hmm. you're going to find the best version of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you didn't record that, it's just going to bother you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Are you finding that? Absolutely. Yeah. That and the writing end of it, man. Like, uh, I just wasn't the writer I am today, you mm. know? And I read the lyrics and they're <laughs> hinting at something, but they're not nailing something. Gotcha. So I'm like, now I sing these songs out the way I write them. I have rewritten them and mm -hmm. people are gravitating even more to them now than they did before. So I'm like, I have to get this recut. Really? Yeah. In the process of getting the new stuff done so that I have something to show what they got the night before. You know? Sure. Right. And so I feel like with Let It Begin, I have, you know, probably about six or so songs that people request that like the stuff mm -hmm. and then on a little a little change i don't hear anybody ever ask for any of those songs really like there's like one or two <laughs> and it's because they don't connect so i feel like i'm in the process of doing that right now and i'm working with bruce roberts at arp studios he's like um half a mile from here or less yeah I think. man yeah. yeah and he's fantastic <laughs> yeah. he's been very good to me and so uh Regardless, I'm recording at home, getting these tracks ready. We're going to go mix them and maybe bring some players in, whatnot. And he can play some stuff on it. So it's going to be really good. And it's going to be better quality. The lyrics are going to be better and more suitable to what I'm trying to, what I want to bring out, man. Because so you think you're going to do the, are you doing all the same songs, same track listing? Or is it just kind of? I might take one or two off and then slip one new one in there. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then I'm going to move forward from this. It's been a thorn in my side for 10 years, to be really? honest with you. Yeah. Really? To be, to be candid with you right now, uh -huh. I've been wanting to replace it since <laughs> I got it up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so tough, man. I, I know that fear of not getting what I want has prevented me from starting a lot of things. Right. Or, or I'll start a song 
I have a song right now that I just need to record. And it's a certain way in my brain. Mm-hmm. And it's just one where I just got to do it. But at the yeah. same time, like when it's done, I can't. The, the possibilities have been shut on what it can be. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, it's such a tough thing, especially when you consider it's good and it's bad that recording has been so democratized that you and I can do it in a room. Right. Because it's so much more accessible. It's so much cheaper. We can put it out. I mean, if I if I really wanted to, I could put out an album next week if I had the time. Sure. But I, I have the technology. Exactly. But what we're missing are these producers. Absolutely. You know, and, and even a lot said about the Beatles. We'll go back to the Beatles just as a good example. Sure. Um, four guys that it's never going to happen again that way. But at the same time, everybody that touched the Beatles, uh, George Martin, Jeff Emmerich, uh, even the people that came, Billy Preston, Eric Clapton, people that came on and just, you could not ask for a better cast of characters to come <laughs> and make sure that the best version of their thing was going to come out. Right. Yeah. It's hard to do that on your own. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Ridiculously hard. Yeah. And, you you would think like you would think that it'd be easier, you know, having or it'd be easy <laughs> to just sit and record and be done. And so many times I've even had this discussion so many times. What do I just need to sit down with my acoustic guitar and just track these dang songs? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just so <laughs> I have something out there right. that's just storytelling the, the given the songwriting it's life because that's what it is yep. and that's what I do anyway. Sure. On the on the nightly. So why why do I need all this other production? You know, I get it. Uh it's and then it's like, okay, well if we add that, is it stepping on the song? Right. And you have all these you have all these things happening that add and take away at the same time and I don't know how to explain it, man. I, uh, we were talking about David Sink, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got this Milkman box amp that he's been putting on Facebook, right? Like, hey, check this out. I can plug it into my PA and mm-hmm. or the PA at the show, and I don't have to bring an amp in anymore. Right. Well, I borrowed it from him. He lent it to me. I plugged it up. I played with it in the studio at home, and he's. It, it sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. It sounds way better than me micing up my uh, Princeton. Yeah, and I'm like, what? Doesn't that hurt your heart? <laughs> a little <laughs> like, bit. I'm. I'm a little bit. I'm also. A, I'm such a. And it's not even like I'm good at it, but I'm such a purist about like. Oh yeah. It's got to be a tube amp. It's oh, got to yeah. be this. And, oh yeah. Yeah. So no, it's a hybrid and it works better than my Princeton. <sighs> yeah, here's the yeah. thing. I took it to the studio and uh, Bruce and I were mixing a song and and uh, it, I just did that track like the day before and it sounded fuller and bigger than running through my <laughs> preamps, my mic set, everything else, man, through the Princeton tube amp. It sounded better. And I was just like, no. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, yes, because I just put my headphones right, on. right. I'm not bothering anybody. Yep. I can drive myself crazy if I want to. Yeah. And just ha- I there's no stopping it now, you know, to the to the work that can get done if you right. have the ideas, right? Right. So 
there's that. So, but what I'm getting at is, is um, he lent me that, and I'm sold on it. Now I have one. It's here. <laughs> uh, but so what I did was, okay, now that I got the tones, now how do you execute? Yeah. So I put on some Ryan Bingham. I listened to John Prine. I listened to uh, all the all my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Pulled it up on iTunes and I listened and I listened. It's like, like wanted to know <laughs> how much. Let's go with this instead. How little that electric guitar player is playing. Yeah. Yeah. How little is he playing or she? How little are they playing? Mm-hmm. And what I found out was like anytime the person's singing, there is like nothing happening. Right. Very. <laughs> I mean, nothing. I mean, it's one thing to say, well, you play when they're not singing, you know, like it's right. one, but what do you play then? Right. Because still it's like not much at all. It's, it's kind of like the BB King rule. Like he, you, you never saw him play and sing. He would sing a line and then he would compliment it. And then I, it somehow that really is effective. <laughs> it really is. And if you think about it, the people that I'm telling you about that I listen to, they mm-hmm. don't have the strongest voices. Yeah. So the, in the mixes of everything with that guitar out of there completely, other than maybe a little chuck along or a little palm mute. And I'm talking like, this is all acoustic driven stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's no distortion. There's no, you know, none of that. It's just straight up clean, like a little dirt on it maybe. And, and then they throw that triad in there. Yeah. After the verse is done. Mm-hmm. Do a little lick right back into it, back off. Then they throw a little something different in the second verse, but it's still not present. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, wait a minute. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do they, I mean, so my thoughts are, does the producer like take saying Pro Tools, Logic, whatever. Did somebody turn, play a bunch and they just cut turn stuff it out? down? Yeah. Or are they that... Are they that good to just not play? Like just I you know, get out of the way. Good. I think they are too, man. Yeah. And it it's mind blowing, but it's a whole new look, outlook on it when it comes to the production side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I've learned, and and I was just mind blown. But that's how they get that voice to sit and that acoustic to just mm. keep carrying through. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, granted, we know this. It's not, it's not rocket science, but to yeah. hear the parts, though. It took me a long time to, to learn that sometimes the guitar, even, even the tone of a guitar. Right. The tone that sits best in the mix is not the tone that sounds best when it's soloed. Because you want this big, warm, beefy, meaty tone that has just the right amount of everything. But then the low end of that steps on the bass and the high end of that gets jumbled up with the hi-hat. And then you start losing the vocal in the thing. And just figuring out the way it all fits together and makes the big picture. It's like if you're painting and you the more colors you use, the less you actually, you lose a little bit in the definition of it, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. You got to be happier with Winds of Fortune, though. Yeah, I love that. That is a great sounding record. Thank you so much. It's not on Apple Music or Spotify. No, it's about to be, though. Excellent. It's getting uploaded soon, very soon. Cool. 
did that come out? Was it 2018? Uh, I had that. That was another one I pulled <laughs> off. Actually, I had I had 2018 that recorded and had all those songs done, but I always wanted to record it with a uh, different preamp. I wanted a different. Preamp. <laughs> I wanted the vo- voice to be more round and this and that. Mm-hmm. So I found it, man. But it took me. It again prolonged the process. Yeah, I had it for several several months to a year available, and then I pulled it down, thinking I was going to have it right back up. And I yeah, just, right. I just <laughs> finally got it done. But it's it's a great sounding record. That's, I, I listened to it on Bandcamp, and folks, if you're if you're listening to this and it's not on Apple Music or Spotify yet, head over to Bandcamp. Great sounding record. Throw some money at at Kevin because he he put in the time. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it, and thank you one and all for going and checking it out. I definitely catch uh, one thing. I really get off that record that I didn't necessarily get as much of the first two is a wider range of influences. I got I got blues. I got kind of a gritty folk. I got knocking on the door of some. I don't want to say outlaw country, but those songwriters, the kind of songs they wrote, uh, it's, it's gritty. There's, there's even the upbeat parts of it. It's, it's, it's a great record. It's a great cohesive record. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> After all that other thing, <laughs> yeah. it's great to get to this point. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It's been a labor of love for sure. And I'd like to thank, uh, I'll give some shout outs to Jason Shore who helped in the process, Ben Meyer who helped, um, and Bruce Roberts. And man, thank you one and all, everybody that's been on that record. Charlie Thompson played on it. Um, I had John John and F. Kennedy play on it, you know. Um and uh Ian McMichael, he played on it. And like I said, Ben Meyer, but some good players, man. Are there physical copies of this as well? No, not yet. I need to get those made. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of draw the line. I don't know, man. You tell me about CDs. What do you think? I made one record, um, and and here's here's how I can justify mine. I did a Kickstarter for it, and that paid for making CDs. Nice. I got it professionally mastered. I did all the recording mixing myself. Played probably ninety two percent of the instruments, um, and I did a Kickstarter, and I wanted to make sure everybody that put money towards that Kickstarter got their money and more back. Sure, and I and I hope they feel that way too. And that the money that went through on that Kickstarter paid for a thousand CDs. Wow, that's great, man. And and I the. I have those thousand CDs at no cost to me, um, other than the time I put into it. But did I sell a thousand CDs? No, there's there's some boxes behind you. Um, do I occasionally play shows where people are like, I like what you're doing and I want to buy a CD? Yes. If I had gone out of pocket for a thousand CDs, was it a good return on my investment? No. <laughs> the idea that it didn't come out of my pocket and people can have a... I mean, of the CDs I've given away, sold, or gave away as part of that Kickstarter campaign, 
How many of those CDs do I actually think have been in a CD player? Maybe less than 25% it would be a guess, just because that's not how we do music anymore, for the most part. But sometimes people want a physical, tangible thing to take away right. from, from their experience with you and, and your songs. And man, there's nothing like holding a CD with your songs on it. <laughs> I, agree. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, the funniest thing, though, I, I don't know, man. I got I got all like hurt one day, I guess, with the CD idea because um, I was playing somewhere downtown and uh, I, was, I was playing outside. So people were walking up market and uh, it was just so funny. This lady says, uh, you got any CD? You know, where can we get your where can we get your music? And uh -huh. I said, I got these CDs right here. I say, and she goes, what am I going to my grandma's house? <laughs> And that's so, so that's that was several fine. that was pre COVID, you know. Sure. So I was laughing at that. And then this lady, she was also, they were partying, having fun. Mm -hmm. So then these people are walking by, coming up market, and the lady's yelling at him, like, Hey, he's good, isn't he? His name's Kevin Church. You can get CDs if you're going <laughs> to your grandma's house. Oh. <laughs> it was great. So I just haven't. I haven't done it. The other thing is, like, I had really good friends, man, that come to shows, mm -hmm. and they're like, I just couldn't wait to get it. So they got it, and then they went on a business trip, mm -hmm. and they were going to be in the truck for mm, 10 hours. Yeah. They grabbed the CD the next day to go, and they tried to put it in, and they realized they didn't have a CD player in their <laughs> truck. I <laughs> I have a I have one car that doesn't have a CD player. And honestly, I have CDs that are of my friends' music. Yes. And have they some have made it in a CD player, some have not. Does it mean I'm not going to listen to their album on Spotify or Apple Music? I listen to Apple Music. I listen to albums. Right. Um but I like having it. I like I I still have records that I like to oh, listen to. Oh records. yeah, oh yeah. Um, I like the fact that when you start to listen to a record, you're locked in like a physical record. You're like, I'll be up in twenty minutes, to flip this thing. But until now, we're listening to, or until then, we're listening to songs they meant to run together. Right. Um, but I mean, we're we're a different generation than ones are around. I, and this is something, this is a question I ask a lot of people who come on this show. And it, it, it seems, it seems like you're a record guy. Well, I love records. I, I, or, I, or an album guy, rather. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an, I want to be an album guy, actually. Um, I know that the people push for singles now. Yep. And here's my thought process on that. And I feel like if you're backed by a multi million dollar industry, yeah, put your single out there, mm -hmm. you know, and pay them back your soul that you owe that for that, you know, million seller. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, but when it comes to me as an artist who's playing around town, I need as much material out there as I can get these mm -hmm. people to take home with them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like 10 songs on one compilation, 10 on the next, just to give them options, you know, to move forward, meaning like Winds of Fortune recut a little change have the let it begin out there now people have options right and when they leave 
or I play for them maybe once in their lifetime, if unless I go to their town or they have me come play a play their house because it has happened. I mean, people yep. have brought me out from here to go wherever they are and play for them. But uh, what I'm saying is, um, basically that when when it comes to singles versus albums, I feel like for someone like me, I need product. Mm-hmm. I need people to have. I want my songs to get heard before I die. Yeah. If I do the if I do the single route, I'm already halfway. I'm I'm about checked out. I think I got maybe about, you know, I I'm not three quarters of the way there. I hope, but <laughs> you know, I don't want to die with like trying to get singles out with a limited amount of time. You sit on a single for a year to two years, right? When right. I've got thirty or forty songs that I feel like I can share with the world. It's got to be tough too because it feels like these days as soon if you drop a single there it's just like okay when's the next one but if you drop an album it seems like there it's more digestible it's right. more something you're like look i these are all all my favorite albums they're songs that go together they fit together they were intended to be put out that way and it's i mean it's partially my preference because that's what I was raised with. I I listened right. to albums and right. you'd hear singles on the radio and I remember, you know, I'm I have 45s. I'm too young for them to be the way I got singles. It was there were ca- singles which was the cassette single. <laughs> right, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But these days too, like, you know, when you're when you're playing a gig and people want to come buy a thing, I'm not going to sell them a CD with one song on it. <laughs> Or or a flash drive or or what have you with one song on it, right? And even, I mean, if if you go to point somebody to a, a Apple Music or a Spotify page and they go on there and there's that one song, they listen to that. That's great. Now what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. Like, in my opinion, I wonder like how you if they get your song in a playlist, right? And yeah. Then what happens after that? When you upload another single, they get notified about it, and then they go check it out, or is it just something that they have to go to Spotify? I'm not sure to, to your profile to right. know that you actually released something else. You know I, what I mean? I think you're just looking at like a constant, nonstop promotion <laughs> thing. Oh, right. I mean, I, I mean, it's obviously that's what it. You know, that's another hat to wear in this business. Yeah. You know, so you have to have that. But I feel like as someone who's owning, operating, producing, releasing it, music, it's writing it, you know, it's like, why have, why put all that pressure on yourself? Unless you just want to release one at a time. If you don't, I feel like if you have four really good songs, yeah, maybe do some singles. That way you do one a quarter, and then within a year, you got your four best out. Well, this all works. There's different genres that things work differently in, um, and there are there are people I know where, like Chris Dodson, puts out a lot of singles. Oh and yeah, he, and a lot of his will be like who he's working with. He right. works with so many different people. Where if he were to take all those songs and he really he releases and put them together, it might not be cohesive. Right, just because he's he's playing in a lot of genres. So it's it's different for everybody. Uh, I do 
I will say wins a fortune, even though stylistically it it makes a lot more moves than the other two records. It still all goes together. It, right. It adds up and makes a great record. Oh, cool. Thanks. Well, we're talking about your songs. You got one you want to play for us? Sure. Uh, you have a request by any chance? What What do you feel like playing today? Well, let's see. I could do... Uh, well, we've got Holy City done all quite a bit. How about I do a song called, um, let's do Cabin Fever for you. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Tell me about that a little bit. Well, it came about because, uh, well, COVID is what made it really stand out, but it was an idea of like, hey, if you've had it up to here and you just want to go out in the woods, start over, then this is your song. You know, that's what it's about. Just up, just saying goodbye to everything, all the legality of everything, and just being free. Right on. That's what that one's about. Let's hear it. Okay. Woke up my woman from the American dream. Quit shopping, plant a garden. Raise a family, be self-sufficient Nobody's fool, live energy efficient By no one's rules Got cabin fever, deep down in the woods So glad to be here, no gated neighborhood No walls, no fences, no HOA where I love my neighbor Ten miles away Told my boss to shove it in a polite way I'm retiring early From an early grave I'll fish up and downstream Where deer and antelope play Rock on my front porch Watching sunsets for days Got cabin fever Deep down in the woods So glad to be here No gated neighborhood no walls, no fences, no HOA Where I love my neighbor ten miles away I was strummed by the fire pit, seen Clementine. Don't need a permit, the dew's on the vine. And just maybe count diamonds in the sky with my baby and the angels on high. Got cabin fever deep down in the woods, so glad to be here. No gated neighborhood, no walls, no fences, 
No HOA Where I love my neighbor Ten miles away Where I love my neighbor Ten miles away Awesome, man. I like that one. That's a good one on the record as well. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, let off with that one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to your songwriting, um, do you have any kind of tried and true methods? Do you, do you sit down and say, I'm going to write a song right now? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, sometimes I have some hook lines or I'll just strum and come up with a, a riff or something that'll get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. I find that the hook line and writing the lyrics first is always easiest for me. <laughs> yeah. Just to keep it cohesive. And then, and then you can get experimental on the music later. Mm -hmm. Even if it's three chords when you wrote it, you sure. know, simple, simple, simple. And even the melody's there, but it's different. You know, it'll change. It morphs into something else. If The biggest thing is just having the lyrics, gotcha. in my opinion. Do you ever try to do you try to demo stuff on the spot or do you occasionally try to write a lyric and say I'm going to get away from this for a second and come back or what's your That's a good question as well. Uh well sometimes I'll come up with an idea. It might even be at a gig. I'll come up with an idea or somebody will say something off off kilter or something and I'll be like that's great and I'll write it down and start typing away on my phone or whatever. And get as far as I can in that time frame and and then do a memo of it or something. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done that before, like a, like a voice memo is what I'm saying, like record it real quick, like a chorus or a, mm -hmm. or a melody. And, uh, I've done that. The other is, uh, just feeling it out. You know, uh, they always grow. They, the songs always turn into something different from where I started. Mm. I feel. Like I'll have something that I've written and I feel like it's really good or whatnot. And then I'll take it out and play it out. And then I'll go, well, I like this better. Mm -hmm. Or something will hit you, you know, like a day or two later, you'll, you'll change phrases. Yeah. It evolves. Yeah. It evolves into sure. what it does. And, um, and then you realize like from the last song, what you learned from it, like, okay, well I can adapt that into this mm. new song and it speeds the process up <laughs> a little bit, but, uh, collaborative efforts, man, also they help when you're, when you have somebody that wants you to finish a song or mm -hmm. you start on it together, but they have the story. If somebody has the story there, I feel like it's so easy to write. If you know where you're heading, mm, you know mm -hmm. what you want to start out with and where you're heading and how you want it to end. You've got the framework set up. You just have to, you know, carry it the last little bit. Right. And if you uh, watched the Beatles uh, Let It Be mm -hmm. when they did that on Apple or uh, Disney mm -hmm. when they released that, if you watch that, you can see Paul just say, okay, and then we need a middle eight. <laughs> Right. There you go, you know, and you throw that in there and then it, it, it knocks it on its heel and brings it back. Mm -hmm. I like I like that a lot about the process coming up with that, but not all my songs are like that either. <laughs> Do you ever start into a song and you kind of realize that maybe it's a song that's 
influenced by a particular artist or songwriter, and then you kind of think of it in that voice? Yes, I've done that before, too. Uh, like, uh, Cabin Fever is John Prine, True and True. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's another song called The Swear Jar that I'm going to cut again and have out soon. And I wrote that with a friend of mine named Andre Evans. That's where I... He was my first collaborative guy that I wrote with uh, when I was 19. Mm. And he was writing songs, and I was helping him put music to his words. And then he helped me morph into what I did, you know, grow into who I am. Mm. And uh, we wrote The Swear Jar during COVID uh, via FaceTime, because he was in Florida. That's where he lives. And... um it was in honor of John Prine who just passed away that day mm -hmm. or day before. Mm -hmm. And we wrote that one. Now, being a person that can play multiple instruments, also being kind of a producer, you know, I know you have a home studio and you, you do that sort of thing. When you write a song and you're just sitting there with an acoustic guitar writing a song, do you hear in your head the other parts? Sometimes I do, yes. Mm -hmm. Um and sometimes I hear how to play the acoustic better to fit the next part because, mm. like, I'm stepping on it with this roll of my finger versus, you know, uh, hitting the bass note and keeping a pulse. Mm -hmm. For instance, today I was working in the studio. I was working on a song called Morristown that I'm going to re-release very soon. And it was it was. It was on the kick drum. The kick drum was there. The bass was there. But the guitar was rolling, but it didn't have a pulse. It was kind of yeah. like, what's going on here? Why <laughs> Why am I not feeling the music? And, and it needed the pulse. It needed the bass to hit on the one. Mm. It needed that and then roll, that and roll, that mm -hmm. and roll. And then when I did that, everything came together, and it cleared up all the mud. Mm. Just took it right away you know made everything concise and I, I was so it's funny that you would mention that but those are the types of things that happen that that happen to me when i'm when i'm writing those moments where you can when you can unlock a song when the time comes where it's like it's kind of a code that you don't have quite figured out and then all of a sudden you unlock a song right that's a good moment <laughs> absolutely agreed are there songs like by other artists your influences and such are there songs that you can point at a particular song and say like, okay, that's the pinnacle of songwriting. That song said everything you need to say. All right. Well, I do like Sunday Morning Coming Down by Chris Christopherson. Mm. Mm -hmm. I do like uh, Best, of All po <laughs> Best of All Possible Worlds by Chris Christopherson. Mm -hmm. I like, uh, man, Fish and Whistle by John Prine. Uh, Mr. Tambourine Man by Bob Dylan. I mean, come on, man. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, where do these songs come from, you know? It it amazes me so much how Bob Dylan, you can have a song that has six verses. Mm -hmm. And it's it's such a wonderful song. And then you can also, there is also room for a song like uh, R.E.M.'s The One I Love where all three verses are the same words and the chorus is one word. And I just, I always just stay, I say, uh, how'd they do that? Right. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you say so much with so little? 
or or in Bob Dylan's case, how do you say so much without being redundant or or right. overstaying your welcome? Right. Yeah. I mean, tangled up in blue. I mean, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites of his is definitely um, "Hard Rain's Gonna Fall." I mean, mm. I mean, just yeah. I mean, all these songs like. It's just insane to me, you know, sad-eyed lady of the lowlands. I mean, yeah. I mean, where does this come? Where's yeah. This, <laughs> where's the freedom to do that anymore? Uh, oh, and then Ryan Bingham, I like him a lot too. Like, uh, South Side of Heaven is a great song, and I love it. And I love uh, uh, Nobody Knows About My Trouble. Mm. I love that song. I, I just, there's some really good stuff out there, man, current and, and, nostalgic that yeah just blows me away we briefly touched on listening to albums earlier are there any other like if you ever get in a mood where you're like i want to listen to a whole record are there what are your go-tos what do you just grab and say like next 40 45 minutes it's this i would listen to chris christopherson's uh christopherson record i love that mm -hmm. i love it in its entirety um Bob Dylan, any of that stuff, man. Uh, I like, uh, I used to listen to Highway 61 Revisited all the time, you mm. know, growing mm. up. I love that stuff. And if you're going to go Beatles, we'll go with Abbey Road. I mean, that's a good one, mm -hmm. obviously. But you can't, you can't really falter on uh, Rubber Soul or oh. Revolver or. To me, Rubber Soul and Revolver are almost like they belong together. Yeah. In a way. Yes. Um, I still, my, my favorite Beatles album is my edited white album to one album. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice, where I, nice. I think everybody's done it where they take the white album and they say like, w what if they had a better editor and they were going to make a one disc cohesive, concise record. And that's actually my favorite Beatles album. <laughs> well, I'd have to hear that. I want to see that playlist. <laughs> there needs to be a podcast where that's all we talk about. Every episode is a different person's edit of that album. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So um, briefly, uh, I know you work with the Mufig guys a lot. Yes. How'd that come to be? And, and how? tell me a bit about that. Well, um, I was brought on the show by Tim Stiles and David Benrexi, just mm -hmm. like you were invited. Mm -hmm. You know, they invited me out. And Tim was moving to California. His wife had gotten a job there, I think, and he was on his way. They were selling their house and moving out there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know all this information. I was just excited to work with Tim because he's fantastic. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, he'll be at Blackwater, I believe. Oh, no, no, or not Blackwater. He'll be at uh, Frogstock this year. Oh, okay. So he's coming into towns when I'm getting at. And he is who introduced me to Bruce Roberts. Okay. Like, to, to work with and yeah. do some studio work. Because I've heard Tim's albums and just been like, wow, they sound so good. Yeah. So um, anyways, Tim had me on the show, uh, interviewed me, and within... You know, days of me meeting up with everybody, uh, David approached me and said, hey, we're going to lose Tim. He's he's going to California. Would you consider doing our interviews, be our interview guy? Mm -hmm. We we love you and we think you'd be a good fit. And I was, you know, like, okay, I guess, <laughs> you know. So we've, so we've uh, you know, they've gotten better. The interviews have gotten better, <laughs> you know, a little bit more uh, confident as it went along. But 
Chris Tidstrom, man, he he really makes it happen. Oh yeah. Without him, it'd be a blabbering. I'd be a blabbering <laughs> fool, you know. Well, he knows his stuff. He's like, uh, I I we're I can tell you're a gearhead, and I'm kind of a gearhead. But Chris is like a gearhead's gearhead. I, yeah, you know, he's yeah. he's incredible. I know, like he's he's like posting on forums of the equipment he owns. You know. Yes, <laughs> he does, man. Yeah. And I know that people are paying attention to what he's saying, too, sure. that, are, that are on the forum, that yeah. are wanting to know. And a lot of things, I just have a thing. It's not necessarily like I know how to use it to its fullest potential. He's a guy that, on top of being a fantastic musician, is a, is, is a good technician and also knows how to bridge the gap between those two things. Right. I agree, <laughs> man. And it's funny because like when we're recording these songs, you know, in Mufik, if anybody's tuned in and watched any of those um, those compilations or the songwriter of the month, watched the interviews, watched us perform together, mm -hmm. just like you experienced when you were there, we learned the song there. Yeah. We've never heard it before. <laughs> right, right. We're just like there. We're there like an hour talking to each other, figuring each other out, maybe just met and like mm -hmm. here we throw this song together, you know? Mm -hmm. And Chris sometimes behind the scenes will be like, off camera and he'll be like well why don't we do this instead with the bass line or why don't we do this with the guitar line mm -hmm. karen play these notes here and it's been amazing man he's 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 fantastic you it's one thing for him to have that kind of gearhead knowledge and all that stuff that we just talked about with yeah. editing and all that mm -hmm. as well but he's a producer at you, the same time. You forget how good of a musician is until yeah. you hand him the guitar and say, well, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he shows you and you're like, well, why don't you just get up there and play it? That <laughs> gummit, man, you're way better than I am at this. Yeah. You know, uh, so yeah, he, uh, he's a trip, you know? So I've, that's how it came to be though. I got interviewed and then Dave had me out for, for lunch and we talked. He wanted me to consider doing it and I did. And then, Sure, sure enough, I've been doing it for them for the past, goodness gracious, since 2018. Yeah, yeah, it's been. So four years? Yeah. What? And just in, not even just the songwriter of the month, but your songs and their songs. and Yes. Yeah, that's it, cool. That, that kind of partnership, that has to really satisfy that need for you. It's really that's cool, awesome. man. It, that's why some other, you know, that's also why... You know, I feel like I get that kind of outlet, so sometimes I'm not putting anything else out. <laughs> sure. It's a nice excuse to get recorded, put it out there, yeah. and, and not get into the studio, you know? Sure. <laughs> Looking forward to the Blackwater Festival this year. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I'm running the songs. It's actually the Songs of the Unsung Stage, the songwriter oh, that's, stage. That's awesome. But yeah, uh, looking forward to, to seeing you play there. Have you played at any of the, those before? I played last year, as a matter of fact. Cool. Excellent. So, yeah, it was a good time, and it was great seeing everybody there. Awesome. Well, I, yeah, I'm I, looking forward to that set, man. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. So right now, you I always kind of end talking about what you're currently working on, and currently it's kind of bringing the Little Change songs back and back yes. to the forge and, and building, a better, building a better one. That's right. It's too funny that a little change goes a long, long way. <laughs> that's the hook line of that song, and doggone and infinite and true about the whole record, you know. How far along do you think you are? 
I'm about halfway there. Okay. Uh, I have, uh, I've been recording, I, I found a new technique about recording acoustic. Okay. So I have to share this with you yeah. one day. Absolutely. The two pencil mics, man, is just, you know how they do the Y pattern, X mm-hmm. and Y. Mm-hmm. I read where, or I saw it on YouTube, where if you flip them. Oh, the vertical. Man, yeah. there's nothing better. Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you, like, if you have really good pencil mics, mm-hmm. you got a good preamp, mm-hmm. and you've got them dialed in, got the tones you like, you have no more of that wishy-washy left and right. Really? And you don't have that wood. Yeah, on one side, and then the fingers it, sliding around on the other. Yep. It just Excellent. sounds so much better. So nice. if I can throw that out there for anybody else out there <laughs> recording, it's changed my life, so. Well, very cool, man. I'm looking forward to hearing the... It's it's actually a very cool thing because you hear the songs in their infancy and then you get to see what they ended up being. So looking forward to hearing that. Thanks. Anything off that record you want to leave us with? Sure. Uh, how about... I'll do a New River Shore for you. Okay. Or would you rather hear Morristown? I'm trying to think. New River Shore I have out there floating around. I'm thinking... I'll do New River Shore for you. Sure. Tell me about that one. Uh, that song, uh, I wrote it. That's one of the ones that didn't change that much. Okay. Lyrically, I always felt like it was really strong. Um, but it came about, I was thinking about someone who is madly in love with someone enough to where if they can't be together, they're going to kill themselves. <laughs> Just like Romeo and Juliet in a way, but it's more like, he lost the person in this lifetime um and anyhow the whole idea is as he loses the person he loses her to a stillborn child so he loses everything mm. and he just can't he can't recuperate he can't handle it so he goes into the new river and where they used to be where they were lovers and mm-hmm got married and, you know, being there together and just took his life to go be with her. Wow. That's a... It's heavy stuff. That's heavy, man. Well, in a second, we will hear that. But thank you so much for stopping by today. It was good to to catch back up with you, man. Oh, it's great to catch up with you, too. All right. Thanks so much, Kevin. Thank you. danced on the water The air was soft and pure The night I met her And I'll never forget her In that white dress she wore Laughing with her was so easy We never grew tired or bored She drew hearts in the sand With a stick in her hand down at the New River Shore Many a man's fought upon it Ships docked there after the war Some folks swear it's haunted I say not anymore Down at the New River Shore 
from the water My arms kept us warm And there we'd lie by the rising tide For hours or more I brushed her hair from her green eyes She said I was the one she adored Vowed we'd be together now and forever down at the New River Shore. Many a man's fought upon it, ships docked there after the war. Some folks swear it's haunted, I say not anymore. Then one pale day in December She lay dying with a child stillborn Took hold of my hand Said we'll meet again Closed her eyes My knees hit the floor Been years since I've talked about her But I'll run and hide no more I can't hold my breath, I'm in over my head Down at the New River Shore Many a man's fought upon it Ships docked there after the war Some folks swear it's haunted I say not anymore if you follow the trail past the pine tree Where I carved my name by hers When you come to the end You'll find us again Walking toward the fort Stop by, say hello to the stars, to the souls who've gone before, for we are as real as the love you feel down at the New River Shore, down at the New River Shore, down at the New River Shore. Wow, what a great song. What a great songwriter in Kevin Church. I had that song stuck in my head the rest of the day. I actually sent him a message about that. Really looking forward to seeing Kevin's set tomorrow at the Edisto Blackwater Boogie. Once again, hope you have your tickets for that. Hope to see you there. Uh, if you don't have tickets, reach out to me through Facebook or Instagram. I've got a couple I can hook you up with. Once again, this is Songs of the Unsung. Thank you so much for joining me. Looking forward to seeing you at the boogie. Come say hi.